Welcome this morning. Welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. Uh, all morning I've been feeling Matthew 6.33. And it's the mandate and the call to seek His kingdom and His righteousness. And even if you're a Christian, that doesn't end because He is endless. He is a God without end. His mysteries cannot be fully found out. And so this whole journey is a pilgrimage that's nonstop. Nonstop. And so he's saying, listen, just beyond your reach right now, there's more. More righteousness, more ability to establish the kingdom of God than you've ever seen and you've ever known. So we are fixed on this one thing. To know his goodness. To see his glory. This, is, this should be the anthem of our whole life. So this morning, as we're worshiping, I'm praying you settle in to release this cry. That God would make this one desire preeminent among all other desires in your life. That's our journey here. That's our journey as believers. And the Holy Spirit has been given to lead us into all truth. So right now, just where you're standing, just put your hand on your heart. Say, Holy Spirit, teach me how to pursue you, how to enter your kingdom, how to taste and see that you are good. Amen. So if you're visiting with us, I encourage you to release your heart. And if you're here today, you're not here by accident. And this is a day of epiphany and breakthrough. This is a day of revelation. This is a day of discovering that there are new levels in God, new powers to set you free, to realize your destiny, your call to be a son and daughter of God because God has made a way for you to taste and see that he is good. And the whole strategy of the enemy is to keep you locked in a lower place, in a place away from your destiny. So push through today. Worship him like you never have. Let's bless him. I want you to understand this morning the trajectory that we are on. We are not here for a show. We are the show. And the only audience is God himself. And there's a verse that's been on my heart since the morning. It says, in Hebrews 5, 7, it says, concerning Jesus, who, in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. If Jesus, the captain of our salvation, reached out to God and sought God with vehemence, with diligence, with tears and with crying, I mean, was he doing it because God was reluctant? No, it's just what's required to get past the pride of your own flesh.
It's just what's necessary to get past that threshold of, of, of your own dignity. Will we cry out? This is the question. Will we, will we cry out and seek him to the, to the point of compromising our own image? Will we humble ourselves? Will we, do we believe that he's that near, that he is passing by? And then we, we're not going to leave it to chance that he'll turn our way. But we say, God, we want you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. You know, we celebrate as Christians pinnacle moments that are recorded throughout Scripture where the principalities and powers and ungodly nations were put down. We celebrate those moments. We remember them. We sing songs about them. We read the stories. Yet your life consists of thousands of identical moments like that. This morning is one. We're not here just to say, oh yeah, that happened. We're here to see it happen again. And you may think, well, I'm not standing before Nebuchadnezzar being threatened with my life. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not you know, being thrown into a fire. I'm not being thrown into a lion's den. Well, yes, you are. You just don't realize it. There are principalities and powers, and just this week, the outstretched arm of a spirit that is trying to bring mental illness, trying to foment depression, anxiety, fears in this body, in the people, in this community. It's, it's come over this community like a wave this week to steal and to kill and to destroy because we are not wrestling with flesh and blood with people, people who agree with this or disagree with. We are wrestling against principalities and powers. And when we sing these songs, we're saying, we will not bow. We will not capitulate. We will not believe your words. We will not come under. There is no one like God in the heavens or on the earth. We are stepping, stamping our feet. We are drawing a line. We are saying, we will not be manipulated. There is one God. There is one church. There is one body and one spirit. Now, we're not quite done because there's, we are engaged in a spiritual battle in this moment. And we're going to go back into this song. There is no one in heaven or on the earth like our God. And I want you, I want you to sign your, your name to that declaration by articulating it with your whole heart. Because your destiny, your future, you don't even realize it, but the enemy has been trying to hem you in to a place in your Christian experience. And God is saying, come out. Come out of that place. There's a larger place for you. There's a place for you to discover the power of the resurrection of your king. There's freedom beyond your imagination, just inches from you. And that spirit is desperate to keep you contained. You reign, Lord. You reign. You reign. We declare in the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue confess. I declare in the name of Jesus 
that every demonic harassment against this body, against this people, will be exposed and broken. I command in the name of Jesus. I command in the name of Jesus. Come on. We're after something right now. There have been spirits that have been harassing your children, your own minds, your own emotional equilibrium. This is not medical. This is not accidental. This is spiritual. And there's an anointing coming to the body of Christ. You're going to begin to see demons manifest like you've never before. You're going to begin to see it in the marketplace, at work. You've already begun to see it, some of you. But there's a cleansing coming right now to our lives. Lay hold of this. Lay hold of this. It's like raccoons living in the attic of your house. And there have been raccoons running around, stirring up emotions and thoughts. And you thought it was just you. And I'm saying today, no more. We are chasing out. We are chasing out the raccoons from our minds, the harassing thoughts. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. 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 In Je- Come on, press in a little more. There are people in our community, people you know. Something's going to break over them today. People are watching on the telecast. In Jesus' name, we break the demonic assignments against your life. We break the demonic messengers, we say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You will be seen and exposed for what you are. Come on, lay hold of this. There are people waiting for deliverance. And your faith, your declaration, your sound will determine whether they get it or not. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we're contending for this city. We're contending for Parkland County. We're contending for the churches of this city. God, God, would you bring an anointing to liberate the saints of God? Break through, break through, break through. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Okay, listen. We're going we're gonna to finish this with one great shout. With one great shout. If you have somebody in mind, I want you to see their chains falling off them. If you have family members or people or neighbors, if you know somebody that's tormented with a spirit of infirmity, Are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Hallelujah!
Listen. A generation of spiritual entrepreneurs is on the horizon. Spiritual entrepreneurs are people who start things from nothing. They're not importing a system, uh, somebody else's idea. They're going to virgin land, to virgin territory. They're saying the kingdom of God is going to start right here. What, what, what believers who, who make the kingdom of God advance, what makes them different from everybody else is everybody else is waiting for something to happen that's sanctioned by somebody else. But those who are spiritual entrepreneurs realize there's something in me. There's a catalyst inside me for life to start right here, right in this point. They're the ones that witness to their neighbors. They're the ones that share their faith at, at, at work. They're the ones that pray for the sick. They're the ones that, that believe that they have the authority as sons of God to extend the kingdom of God. And there's a shadow coming off a generation who, are, who are, are stuck in this idea that we have to wait for some kind of permission. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. It's already there. Your job is to learn to let it out. And I want to go back to the North Battleford revelation that was so significant because we talked about it 70 years last year when we were in North Battle for 10 days. 70 years since the outpouring and that, that 84-year-old man or 90-year-old man, I can't remember how old he was, he said this. He said, his testimony was, this is what we realized, that whole thing. This is the takeaway. This one thing we realized. It was not them and then, but it was us and now. The difference between those that cause the kingdom of God to extend from their life is the ones that aren't waiting anymore, that realize every moment is a Kairos moment. Because I carry the light. I carry the keys of the kingdom. In my voice is the sound of thunder. In my voice is the authority to extend the kingdom of God. Because I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of the king. And his spirit is inside me. And every place my foot treads, he's given it to me. Expect your life to change things. You know, when David was summoned to the king's palace, it was because there was something about his music that made his music better than anything else. You think, well, I can't sing, but you have a sound. Do you know that there's peace that comes in the voice of somebody who walks in peace? And when a tormented mind and a tormented soul hears the sound of peace, they respond to it. And they're attracted to it. You don't have to be a great singer. You don't have to be a great orator. There's a quality of peace. There's a quality of rest that can come through you. Through just your body posture. Your presence. People, When you're carrying the kingdom of God, people will start to realize, man, whenever I'm with you, something in me comes alive that never comes alive except when I'm with you. What is that? What is that? And if it's not yet happening, then say, God, I want, to, I want my goal to be that that will start to happen, that people like being around me, that, that people get freer when they're around me, that people get joyful, people get liberated. 
So, Father, we pray, God, that each one of us will be carriers of the light, manifestors of the kingdom of heaven. Peter said, such as I have, I give you. We're here today to get more so that we have more to give. Every time you go out of this building, you step into worlds where demonic spirits have free reign. But there's an atmosphere and a presence that you can bring that causes them to be immobilized, that causes them to be powerless in your presence. Oh, God, we pray, let your kingdom come. And everybody said, amen. Lord, let it be. But I've been doing this series. You say, series? You weren't here last week. Yes, it's not consecutive. <laughs> I said series. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a part of a continuous message. Now, the theme of this, I call it entering God's rest. But really, it's only entering God's rest because it's about maturity, and only the mature can participate fully in what God has already given. All right? So God has determined that you can have certain things, you know, like a, a, a rich parent who has a child, that baby. I've determined what you're going to walk in, what you're going to have, what you're going to inherit. But for you to get into it is going to require certain thresholds of obedience, maturity, training, etc., etc., etc. So there's no end to what it is you're going to come into, but there are temporary limits, right? So even the heir, you know, speaking about this concept in the Bible, even the heir is put under a tutor until such time as they come to a sufficient age of maturity that they can be trusted to yield what it is that they're destined to walk in. And so we have certain things made available to us that we're moving into. Those things mirror, they mirror or echo or represent very similarly what Israel was promised when they were in slavery and God said, I'm going to bring you into a promised land. I'm going to, and he, the, the language around that, which we've touched for the last number of sessions that we've talked about this, it represents everything that you could want, right? Houses, lands, um, an absence of war, you know, peace. And he said, every place your foot will tread, I'll give it to you. So in other words, I'm promising you this to you, but you've got to take it. Okay. It's not just going to land on your shoulders when you're, you know, because you're, you're hoping for it. You actually have to engage at some level. Yes. So this is why this other message that I intimated here during the worship is so important. The realization of the fathers and mothers of faith who are part of the, the latter rain outpouring is they realized that they had been stuck in a mindset that was all about waiting. That, you know, we're waiting, and God, can, can I have some more, please? Recognize it? Yes. Can I have some more? And he, they said, we realized it was not about them and then. Well, what's them and then? It's about, you know, all the stories I always hear is about, oh, in Tennessee. You heard about lately in Tennessee? The Holy Spirit's falling in Tennessee this last week. It's been happening for weeks. It's amazing. All right? Great stuff, right? But we always hear about great things happening somewhere else. Say, oh, that's so great. Or we read about it in history. Oh, that thing that happened back there. Oh, that was so great. It, he said, listen, we realize it's not about them, those people over there in Tennessee, 
those people in Singapore, those people in Hong Kong, those people in Africa. It's not about them or then, another season in time. It's about us and now. In other words, we, we came out of the slumber of thinking that we were waiting for God to do something for us into the realization yeah. that he had already equipped us and given us power and authority, that yeah. we just had to walk in it. And walking in it was really overcoming an intimidation of the enemy that caused us to slumber, yeah. that caused us to wonder, that caused us to doubt, that caused us to hold back, that yeah. caused us to fight over insignificant amounts that somebody else had in jealousy rather than just taking what was ours. So the, 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 the kingdom revelation that God is bringing is you can have it today. Yes. In other words, it's not God. Now he say, well, yeah, you keep saying that, but I don't get it. You can have it, but you've got to enter into it. Ah, oh, here we go again. How does that work? Well, exactly. How does that work? So let's read. We've covered a few of these things, and uh, I, may, I may recover some similar ground because, as you know, things bear repetition. Important things bear repetition because we forget about them. Right? Anyway, so as, as the Hebrew writer is talking about these things, he's saying, listen... There's a promised land that you believe it's because he's not writing to Israel back in the desert. He's writing to New Testament Christians, people who are born again, people who have received the Spirit, but who are presently faced with difficulties. They're presently faced with what seems to be delays on the promises that were given to them. So they're like, hey, you said that God is good. You said that when we get saved, we were going to walk in peace. You said we were going to have rest for our souls. You said our burden would be easy and light. You said those things. And, and so he's saying, essentially saying, yeah, okay, so go ahead. Don't put this on somebody else that you get what you believe for. So anyway, a lot of years were spent... Uh, hearing messages about how things came to people who believed and didn't come to people who didn't believe. And you know what? Rather than a lot of people saying, oh, wow, I want to believe more, they said, who are you telling me I don't believe? Like, okay, all right, you want to waste your time doing that? Okay. But it's very clear. He says, I'm going to read again here because he's, the whole exhortation is, listen, Going back to chapter 3, verse 7, says, listen, God is speaking, and when God speaks, that speaking, that his word will do something in you if you don't harden your heart. If you receive that, it will change you and will produce faith, and the kingdom of God will begin to emerge out of that. This is the mystery of how God works. God is already speaking. Yes. Say, so, oh, I wish God would speak to me. God is speaking. Yes. But it's the question is, are we hearing? Because we hear in different layers, in different increments. Uh, I'm not going to do the whole teaching now, but there was a time when the voice of the Father was over Jesus and said, this is my son, and there were people around, right? You remember this? And, and some said it thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him. And at least Jesus, we don't know if any of the other disciples heard precisely that this was the Father speaking, and he was essentially saying these exact words. 
So what to one is exact, precise language, to another is something happened. Might have been thunder. To another, no, that was a voice. It was a spiritual voice. Could have been an angel. So there are, there are increments of receiving what is clearly being spoken. And so we say, oh, God, you should speak more clearly. It's not up to God to speak more clearly. It's up to po- us to posture ourselves to remove those things from our life that are inhibiting us from hearing. And usually it's noise. It's, it's static that's provided by this present age in which we live. And so what fasting and prayer and coming to church and all this about is, is orienting yourself around the sound that comes from an invisible realm instead of orienting around all the unbelief and the sounds that come from the world that is natural and passing away. So this is essentially the exhortation. He's saying, listen, don't harden your hearts. Those guys in the wilderness that didn't enter the promise, they were stubborn. They, God was speaking saying, hey, you could do this. I'm giving you this. And they came up and the first, first barrier was they're giants. And so, well, either you believe or you don't believe. Well, they're giants though. But God said, you can have the land. I don't know. They're giants. Right? Unbelief. So you're oriented more around the barrier than you are the one who gives you power to overcome. So this is the this is how he's laying out. This is the problem. This is the challenge. And it's the exact challenge that we have today. Every single one of us. Every single. So when you stand before the Lord, you're never going to be able to say, man, now I see it so clearly, Lord. If only Mark had been a better preacher. If only I had had a better youth pastor. If only, I had, if only I had, we had been to Bible school. If only I had read the Bible. Wait, hold it. That, that's my, my responsibility. So he says to them, listen, today, if you will hear his voice, verse 15, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, for who having uh, rebelled indeed was it not with those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? Well, what was their sin? Their sin was a sin of unbelief. Unbelief is a sin. So that's why, you know, when John is saying, he that says he has no sin is a liar. Because we are always trying to overcome unbelief. Because there's a part of us, I don't care who you are, I don't have all faith. For me, I am hindered by my lack of faith. This very day, today, I am hindered by that. But I'm trying to let the word in. I'm saying, God, speak to the things. Where are the things in me that are stubborn? Where are the things in me that are recalcitrant? You like that word, recalcitrant? They're, 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 they're resistant. They're resistant to God. Father, don't spend any time defending your reputation. Don't spend any time saying, I'm better Christian than you think. It doesn't matter. I'm not measuring you. I'm just saying the infinite God that we serve has more. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you fit on the spectrum. There's more of God and his word can change you. There's nothing about you right now that can keep you from your destiny. Nothing. Because God 
starts things from nothing. Well, there's no way he makes a way. Well, you don't understand. I'm a woman. You don't understand. I'm not tall enough. You don't understand. I'm not well connected. You don't understand. I don't have money. None of those things matter. Well, do you believe that? I sing about it. So, again, what we want to believe and what we actually believe are not the same. What we'd like to think we believe is what we truly believe is evident in what we do with our lives, not what we give assent to because of our, our intellect. So, anyway, let me move on. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. This is the, this is the, the bottom line. We don't enter into promises. We don't enter into destiny. We don't enter into rest. So when the Bible says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, and you say, yeah, but it doesn't seem easy to me. It doesn't seem light to me. That's because you're doing it wrong. And you have nobody to blame but yourself. And in fact, the impulse, the very impulse to blame somebody else is unbelief. I don't believe that God has provided me what I need. So I will fault somebody else for my life not being what it ought to be. That's unbelief. Any of that out there today? Is it possible that what's wrong with our culture begins in the church? Is it possible that the the need for safe places, is it possible that the need, you know, to, to blame everybody, to... To, uh, to cause, you know, the, the responsibility for my life, my destiny, my business, my, uh, my future, my job, my home, my existence, putting it on somebody else is our fault? It's, their, it's totally our fault. We're the only ones that have real options. Everybody else that's stuck in the natural world can only draw from the natural world. They're looking at finite supply all the time. We're the only ones that see an infinite supply. We're the only ones that can shift people's orientation to what is unending. So if we're not shifting to what's unending, how can they? That's, so, so everything you see that's happening out there in the world, like, you know, well... Should we, should we not say anything about it? Should we not, you know, agitate against it or act, you know, be active politically? Yeah, absolutely, because they're entrenching something that's not true. But realize at the same time that we're the only ones that can change it. And it's not political activism that changes it. That just keeps it from advancing at full speed. But really what can change it is us being the kind of people we're supposed yes. to be. Yeah. That's what can change it. And that's the beauty of, of you being connected to infinite supply. Infinite supply. One person fully connected to infinite supply, God can change the world. That's what Jesus did. He was connected to infinite supply. He walked in obedience. He did what he needed to do. And his, his ability to do that connected a whole bunch of others. What ministry really is, is you laying down your life to connect to infinite supply without demanding anything from anybody else. And what you do is you make a way for others to live in the supply that you began to open up. That's what Jesus did. That's what you're called to do. Now we're getting towards our message. We're not quite there. 
It's a good recap, though, right? Because we're not doing sequential meetings, sequential teachings, so you probably don't even remember any of this. So he goes, therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear. Oh, no, we shouldn't fear. Fear is bad. Not according to this. Well, there's different kinds of fear. This fear is, hey, do something about this. Don't be passive. Realize that your future is in your hands. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you should seem to come short of it. In other words, just because God has a certain destiny over your life doesn't matter. It means it's going to automatically happen. So, he he moves on now. I'm trying to get to verse 10. So we're getting there. We're going there. But I, I, this context is, is, is very important because we need to see what the journey is because for Israel, it was just a matter of coming out of Egypt, uh, coming into the land, conquering the giants, and, and then living. For us, it's the same, except the giants are unbelief and fear. The giants are things that are connected to our souls. And so um, he says... Let me skip over a little bit because I've already talked about some of the unbelief in in faith. But in verse 3 it says, For we who have believed to enter rest, that rest, as he said, So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. So the reference, obviously, to the story was that two two men, Joshua and Caleb. Caleb. Yeah, Joshua and Caleb were the only ones of the whole nation. million people. Two touch the destiny. Million people come out with a promise, only two get it. Many are called, but few are chosen. Right? That means it's available for many, but only two meet the criteria to enter. And God's the one that, that, that either gives you a pass or a fail. So it's not a, wow, the church is holding me back. Oh, my circumstances are holding me back. No. As part of faith, nothing can hold me back except me. That's why early in our ministry when I was trying to make my way in the church world and was not really being well received, for good reason, but I was saying, God, you know, what, what's, what's, going, what's going on? And I, I remember seeing somebody who could make a way for our ministry to increase and kind of trying to make myself visible to them. And the Lord is kind of like, I know people. You know, I... I have connections, you know, I could, I could put favor on you so that, you know, you would be noticed. I could do that for you. And I believed that theoretically, but not enough to live that way. I knew it was true in theory. Yeah, you can, but it'd be great if you gave me somebody in the natural who had millions of dollars to sponsor our ministry. Because I see that you do that. He said, yeah, but as long as you're looking for that person, then you're not looking for me. As long as you're looking for an opportunity in the way of, of of a person or a program or something on this plane, then you're not really looking at me. This is what seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness is all about. Are you really looking for him or that person that's just a little bit ahead of me? That can make a way for me. Well, does God not work that way? Oh, he does. But that person doesn't decide 
who they make a way for, God decides. God decides. So why, you know, some people have, you know, at different times been very deeply disappointed in me because I didn't make a way for their destiny. Because, well, I seem to have the power. Well, you have influence. You could promote me. You could do this. Yeah, but I can't. I don't promote anybody. I see what people are stepping into, and I acknowledge what they're stepping into and give them a hand. But, you know, it's very little. What I do is very little. It really is them. And, you know, when somebody, uh, when, when Chris came back from Africa and we hired him, it's because the Lord made it very clear he was the guy. God does that. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. When I, there was a point in my life, I remember when we were starting our ministry and I didn't have any money and the Lord challenged me, he said, stop the unbelief, stop chasing money, stop chasing Christians, stop chasing people to sign up for your newsletter, stop chasing pastors, churches to speak. I, I can do this. And I finally realized, I thought, wait a minute, you can do this. You could wake somebody up, give them a dream right now to come and give me money. Yeah. Now, not everybody's called to believe for things like that, but God was training me, so he forbade me from doing certain things that others are called to do. I, I begged him, please, let me, let, me go, let me do this. Let me plant a church. Let me, you know. But I remember when I was sitting up that one night, I waited till one in the morning because I just knew that I knew. When I saw, no, you can do this. And I, I knew faith had connected me. I thought, it's done. Money's coming. I thought they were going to come that night. It came the next day in the mail, which means it was already on its way. Because God had seen that I was going to come to a place of faith. That's, that's the rest. The rest is when you tap into God's ceaseless supply and, and not being anxious about you trying to make it happen. It's available for anybody. Yes. It's not just Caleb and Joshua. It was available to the whole nation. Yeah. What is that? Go to war against the unbelief. Yeah. It's part of your being. Go to war against it. It's the thief. Yeah. It's not your marriage. It's not your business. It's not the city that you live in. I only got four minutes left and not even near this verse. (laughs) Verse 6. Let's jump down to verse 6. This will help us get us faster. (laughs) Since therefore it remains that some must enter, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David today... After such a long time as it has been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now here's the rationale. He said, for if Joshua had given them rest, he would not afterward have spoken of another day. In other words, he's saying, listen, this is a prophetic picture of something that has been held for you. It's not about the land of Israel that those people were going into. That was their destiny back then. But he's saying the rest that he's promising is rest for you, your souls. A supply that makes you never weary so that you can rise up with the wings like eagles and never faint. There's a supply on every conceivable level, emotionally. Oh, Lord, I don't know if I can handle one more difficult person in my life. Yes, you can. 
You just got to shift your dependency. You got to shift. Well, how do I do that? That's what Sunday's about. We are shifting into a God supply. We are, we are worshiping because we're trying to improve our connection with that infinite supply that is Him. His love fueling you makes people tolerable. Not just tolerable, beautiful. You're happy to serve them, to bless them, to walk with them. Oh, I think I need to cut back on the number of people in my life because they're just so difficult. Yeah, Jesus didn't have any of that. He didn't have any difficult people, ever. No, he just had supply so much greater than the need. Let me finish. Well, let me start. There remains, verse 9, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. So there's a rest for you and you and you and you and you and me. There's something that makes life seamless. There's things you're struggling with right now, heaviness of thought, depression, darkness, temptation. The day's coming when that stuff won't even harm you. It won't even, hurt. It won't even come near you. It'll be like pellets off of a titanium shield. What's that little rat? Is that a mighty mouse? No. What is it? The, you can't hurt my shield. Bat fink. Yeah, it was a bat. Bats are like mice. Mice with wings. Rats with wings. This is what he says. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. I've got about eight hours more material on this point alone. (laughs) But let me just put it out there for the future. This is where we're going. The way that you enter into God's rest is you cease from your works. And you do his works. When you stop your works and you do his, well, how do I know which is which? That's the optimum question. That's the journey. Let me give you a hint. Everything that's born of God overcomes the world. Everything that gets frustrated, angry, depressed, downcast is fueled by something less than infinite power. There are things, initiatives. When you, it, well, see, when I started my ministry, it wasn't like God didn't say, go and do this. He just didn't, he said, I've called you to this. And I thought that meant, okay, do this and this and this. So I looked at what everybody else was doing, tried to do the same thing. It didn't work. I said, well, it's working for them. What's going on? I didn't tell you to do that. I said, you were called. Oh, you mean I've run ahead a little bit? A little bit. There's a difference. His works, not only do they get, his works praise him. His works give him glory, but his works overcome the world. The things we try to do in his name to bolster our position in our own eyes towards him do nothing. Zero. And so there's a sword that's coming to our lives to make a distinction between things that are born from below and things that are born from above. Things that come from your spirit and things that come from your very best intentions to do what you think God wants you to do. There's a world of difference between those things, but until they have been separated, they look very much the same. 
So the journey is, God, and I, I won't get, tell you which verse it is, but it's the next one. <laughs> verse 12, I think it's the next one. The word of God is, comes to make a distinction so you see what's from below and what's from above. That's how faith is created. Faith is created through the divide of your strength and his strength, your hope and his hope, your faith and his faith, your abilities and his abilities. When you see the divide, you pull away inadvertently, automatically, intuitively, from your own strength. And all of a sudden, things start to work. Wow. So, Father, I pray that this great mystery will become clearer and clearer and clearer to us. That, God, nobody has separated us from our destiny. Nobody keeps us from the power that's available in Christ. Nobody is a barrier between us and you. That, God, every single one of us, Lord, have have the capacity to pull from heaven. To pull from what you supply. I pray that our ability to do that will, will go through the roof this year. The only cost... Is pride. Our concepts of ourselves, our belief that we're more mature than what we are, a belief that we believe more than what we actually do. Lord, we choose today to lay those down. Create faith in us, Lord. Amen.